Is that all right? Let's get started. Are you ready? Psalm 34. The title of my message today, put your seatbelt on, is Humility is the Way to Help. Humility. Humility is the way to help. Psalm 34. Can I start reading that? I love this psalm. I remember my mom used to read this psalm. I will bless the Lord at all times. Say it with me. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. Who? The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Why? Because I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked unto him and were lightened and their faces were not ashamed. Verse 6. This poor man, what did he do? Cried. And the Lord did what? Heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. That's good up there. That's, that's good for there. Friends, I'm here to tell you this morning. I've got a word from God to you. That humility is your way to help. Humility is the way to help for your home. Humility is the way to help for your relationship. Humility is the way to help for our cities. Humility is the way to help for our nation. Amen. I want you to see something in James chapter 4 verse 10. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. And what's he going to do? Squash you. Is that what he's going to do? Okay, come on, work with me a little bit. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. Friends, that not only works individually, that also works corporately. That works for a nation. Jesus himself said, for he that will exalt himself will be abased, but he that humbles himself will be exalted. So what we're talking about is not just something that works in an isolated area. It's a principle in the kingdom of God that's straight across the board. Humbling ourselves before the Lord. Humbling ourselves under His mighty hand. First Peter chapter 5, verse 5. Can we look at that? Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves to the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to the other. And be clothed with pride. Is that what it says? No, it says be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud. And, but He gives grace to who? To the humble. Second Chronicles, by way of introduction, chapter 7, verse 14, says this. If my people, which are called by my name, would do what? I'm sorry, I couldn't hear that. If they would humble themselves. Part of the problem in the human experience is that we don't like to humble ourselves. We don't like to admit that we've got a problem, that we're lost, that we've lost our grip, and that things are not working. In the words of a recent popular, now seem defamed, uh, psychologist, how's it working for you? We go day in and day out with a broken heart, a broken relationship, a broken city, a broken business, and people that are too proud 
to get help, they refuse to acknowledge to the man that drinks and says, I don't have a problem. Can't hardly get out of bed without having a quart of Jim Beam. Hello? The first step to getting help is to humble yourself. To identify that I've got a problem. We've got a problem. Hallelujah. Don't get so sober. It's going to get better. Hallelujah. (laughs) I'm here to tell you that if my people, God said, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and do what? Pray. It seems to me that humility predicates prayer. You need to bow yourself before God. You see that oftentimes in Daniel. You see it in the Apostle Paul. You see it Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. When something's way over my head, God, I bow my knee, not to the thing that I, that's way over my head, but I bow my knee to you and I'm humbling myself and I'm admitting I need help. Takes humility to do that. Humility, friends, is a primary quality in the kingdom of heaven. Look at the models of humility. The father stoops down and humbles himself to help the poor and the needy. I mean, Psalm says, What is man that you are mindful of him? You know, that you would leave your throne in heaven and even think about us. And yet the Bible says, How. Great is the number of thoughts that he has toward you. We may feel fairly insignificant. Have you ever been up in an airplane and looked down and seen these tiny little houses, tiny little people, tiny little cars? There's billions of us. (laughs) And yet God is not to, he doesn't have pride. Pride does not originate in God. He stoops down and is concerned in the everyday affairs of men, women, boys, and girls. Hallelujah. How about the incarnate son that exhibited humility from the manger to the cross? Man, we expected something different. We expected some big celebrity to come in. Or, man, wouldn't you like it if Jesus came in with like Hercules and the sword and all that? That's what they thought. Are you restoring the kingdom again? And he says, That's, you, guys, you guys have it all wrong. That's not how Jesus came. He came in the most vulnerable. Wow. Humility is necessary to enter into the kingdom of God. Humility is the prerequisite for honor. Humility is the precursor to deliverance. We'll see that when we talk about Chronicles if we get to it. Humility is the foremost test of a truly great leader. A truly great leader cares about people. He cares about the poor and the needy and the lowly. They're not too important to listen to children. They're not too important to listen to the people that are uh, cast down and uh, under unfortunate circumstances. I repeat, humility is a key ingredient to successful relationships, both personally and professionally. Isaiah 57, 15, look what this says. This is a phenomenal little scripture. It says, For thus saith the high and lofty one that 
inhabiteth eternity. Isaiah 57, 15. Whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place. You can't get much higher than that. Can I get an amen? amen. But notice there's two places that God dwells. There's two places. The very highest place that ever is. And yet he also says, I also dwell with him also. That is of a contrite and what? Humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble. He's there to revive you, friends. And to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Somebody say, God cares. Can you see the extremity there? From the highest place to the lowest place. God, that's what he says. That's where I inhabit. Don't we serve an awesome God? Let's look at a couple of things about humility and then I'll move, move forward. He leads in Psalm 25, 29, amplified, I'll rush through these, but he leads the humble in what is right and the humble he teaches in his way. If you are not humble, you won't hear instruction. If you're proud, you don't want to hear it. You can almost see that in people that you work with, that you work with, that people that, that, that are around you, family members. Come on, friends. Even people in relationship with you. You know, you try to say something. I don't want to hear it. I'm done. I don't want to hear it. That's pride. Maybe you've been that one. Maybe I have been that one. God forgive us. Look what it says here. Psalms 149, 14. For thus... For the the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He will beautify the what? The glamorous. No, he will beautify the humble with salvation and adorn the wretched with victory. Hallelujah. Okay, let's get into this a little bit. Friends, the epidemic in our country that's hitting our country and really hitting the world, but let's just focus on where it is, and it's crept into the church. It's not the Zika virus. It's not AIDS, but it's pride. Pride promotes strife, and I touched on this in my previous message on a Wednesday night, but friends, if you, if you ha- do you have the signs of pride in your life? And we'll get off of this fast, so stay happy and keep smiling. James chapter 3 Verse 14 through 16. If you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom is not from above, but is earthly, sensual and devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. And you know, you don't need a theologian or a pastor to tell you when it's strife. You feel it in your gut. It, your gut turns. Have you ever felt that? I mean, I have. It doesn't feel good, does it? That ugly feeling on the inside. It's nasty. It's ugly. It's unreasonable. You can't hardly sleep. You can hardly think. It's, it, it either drives you to be broken or it drives you to rage. And you know, this spirit is not of God. I've heard it said that strife is the manifest presence of the devil. And we don't want that in our life. We don't want that in our church. We don't want it in our neighborhoods. And dear Lord, we don't want it in our nation. Somebody said amen. amen. Let, me, let me just see. Humility is the essential quality of the kingdom of God. I went through some of those areas where we found it throughout the scripture. And it's, foundation, it's foundational and more influential than we can imagine. Without it, that's without 
Humility, we lay open to the ravaging influence of the spirit of pride. Now, I am going to just read a little something from Thomas A. Terrence, who's the vice president of the ministry of C.S. Lewis Institute. Just about two, three paragraphs. I trust this will not be too tedious for you. But friends, somebody's got to speak out and say something because we are surrounded by a culture that celebrates the proud the arrogant and the self-absorbed. Listen to what Thomas Terence says. In fact, what throughout history has been recognized as the deadliest of vices is now almost celebrated as a virtue in our culture. Pride and arrogance are conspicuous even, even among the rich, the powerful, the successful and famous and celebrities of all sorts and even some religious workers. And it is also alive and well in ordinary people, including some of us. Yet... Few of us realize how dangerous it is to our souls and how greatly it hinders our intimacy with God and love for others. Humility, on the other hand, is often seen as weakness. And few of us know uh, much about how to pursue it. For the good of our souls, then we need to gain a clear understanding of pride and humility and how to forsake the one and embrace the other. Everybody take a deep breath. <sighs> Boy, that, that guy's pretty articulate. In the Bible, we see the outworking of pride and unbelief in the affairs of individuals. Families, nations, and cultures. And I want you to see if you don't see a description of what we see in our day and age and in the media today. As people lose or suppress the knowledge of God, spiritual darkness grows and psychological inversion occurs. In their thinking, God becomes smaller and they become larger. The center of gravity in their mental lives shifts from God to themselves. They become the center of their world and God is conveniently moved to the periphery, uh, peripheral either through denial of his existence or distortion of his character. They took him out of our schools. They're trying to take him out of our government. They're trying to take him out of our neighborhoods. Self-importance. And godless self-confidence grows stronger. The cycle that follows is familiar. Now watch this cycle. People exalt themselves against God and over others. See, there's a two-way thing here. There's a two-way problem. You exalt yourself against God, but also you start being prideful about other people, thinking that you're really something or certain groups of people. Pride increases... Arrogant and or abusive behavior ensues. And what happens? People suffer. Are we suffering? Yes, we are. My Bible says in Proverbs 16, 18, pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. In Proverbs 11, 2, it says, when pride cometh, then cometh shame, but with the lowly is wisdom. Proverbs 29, 23 says this, a man's pride shall bring him low, but honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. Proverbs 6, verse 16 through 19, and I just have to go through these fast. These are little short ones. You can grab them later, maybe, if, you, if they speak to you. These six things the Lord hates indeed seven are abomination to him a proud look a spirit 
that makes one overestimate himself and underestimate others. A lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that manufactures wicked thoughts and plans, and feet that are swift to running into evil. A false witness that breathes out lies. And then the last one, which we feel is really huge before God, those that sow discord among their brethren. Sowing discord among the nation. Father against mother, children, mother. You know, people take sides and do things. Man, I feel like sharing a scripture right now. And, and uh, you know, it comes from Joshua. Joshua stood at the road and there was a there seemed to be a soldier with a sword drawn. And he says, OK, whose side are you on ours or theirs? You know what the angel said? Neither. I'm not on I'm not on your side and I'm not on the enemy's side. I'm on the Lord. I'm the I am the one that the commander of the armies of the Lord of hosts. That's who I am. And what did Joshua Day do? Do he fell on his face and humbled himself? Friends, we do not have a problem with one political party versus another political party. That's not the problem. We don't have a problem with one group of uh, uh, people versus another group of people, or one one uh, uh, racial background another race. What we have is a demon spirit that's in operation and trying to operate in our country. That's what we have. And when, we, when people say, hey, what side are you on? Are you on this side or are you on that side? Hey, you're shooting too low. That's the wrong question. We're on the Lord's side. We humble ourselves before the mighty hand of God. And this has got to stop. Injustice has to stop. And here's the interesting thing. When people yield to a spirit of strife, it makes the problem even worse. Because then they make Uh, an issue of it in and of themselves, you understand, and hatred comes in, and you can't receive from God healing if you're in a place of health. Hatred, why? Because your way to help is through humility. And you can't have humility if you've got hatred in your heart. Somebody said amen. I'm telling the truth. I wish I had time, but I don't have all the time. So this is what we're going to do. We've already identified enough of some of this. Thank you, Jesus. Hmm. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. You know, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to, I'm going to take us all the way to page 7 on my notes, which up there is Second Chronicles. We're going to talk about the problem with King Jehoshaphat or the challenge to, to King Jehoshaphat in Second Chronicles chapter 20. So you could turn there in your scripture, Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 1 through 13. Anybody getting anything out of this so far? Amen. Hallelujah. Look at our message today is again, humility is your way to help. Came to pass, verse 1. After this also, that the children of Moab, the children of Ammon, with, their, uh, with them on, uh, besides Ammonites, came against Jehoshaphat. I mean, you might as well put in there ISIS. You might as well put in there whatever. All right, whatever group, is, whatever group ails you. And there came some that told Jehoshaphat, saying, There cometh a great multitude against thee beyond the sea. And the, so, uh, you know on this side of Syria and behold they be in boy those names are hard to pronounce which is Engedgeni whatever <clears throat> can we skip to verse 4 please no <laughs> verse 3 and Jehoshaphat feared and what did he do he set himself 
to seek the Lord. Now, I remind you of this. When you set yourself to seek the Lord, this is implied here. But anyone that's really in trouble and seeking the Lord, they're setting themselves to pray. And usually you put your face on the floor before God and you are admitting that this is too much for you. That you need help. So he did this. He humbled himself before the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. Verse 4. And Judah gathered themselves together to ask what? Help of the Lord. Even out of all the cities of Judah they came to seek the Lord. If my people were called by my name would do what? Humble. Humble themselves and pray and do what? Seek. Did you see that he followed the model? I said, did he follow the model? He humbled himself. He prayed and he sought the Lord. Somebody said, yes, he did. Oh, yes, he did. And so in verse 5, it says, Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation. And I want you to notice uh, what he did. He magnified the Lord. He stated his covenant, made his case before the Lord. That's not pride. That's humility. To know what God said is humility. It's pride to not know what God said, to insist on not being teachable. But he said, God, didn't you promise me this? Didn't you promise, Lord, that we could come to this place? There's none able to withstand you and that you're God. In verse 7, you drove out all those other inhabitants and such. And you, you gave it to your seed, Abraham, forever. And, 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 and then in verse what? And in verse 9, he said, and if evil comes. So he's stating his case. A humble man states their case to the right person. They don't go blabbing and mouthing off to the media. They get on their knees and go to God. Amen. And so let's move, move further ahead. Behold, verse 11, how they reward us and so on. And verse 12, oh God, will you not judge them? For we have, look what he admitted. So part of, we're getting to this. You've got to admit when you've got, when you need help. Our, oh our God, verse 12, wilt thou not judge them? For we have all kinds of might against them. We've got the latest missiles. We've got the greatest technology. Is that what he said? No, he said, we have what? No might. He says, we almost got it. You know, we, we almost got it, you know, like sort of, but we could use a little help. No, he said, we have nothing. God, I got nothing. How many of you know there in some situations you're going to be in life where you got nothing? <laughs> he says, we have, he says, this we have no might against this great company that comes against us. Neither, not, we don't even know, we don't know what to do. Boy, does God like pr- people that pray like that. He likes people that humble. I said he likes people that humble themselves and do that. And all of Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones. Come on, somebody. And their little ones and their wives and their children. Well, you know the rest of the story, right? God came through in a big way. But notice that the the entire nation humbled themselves. Is that right? I want to just share just a couple personal examples before we come to a close and read uh, the final scripture for today. One of the prophets addressed Israel and said, you are sick. From the top to the bottom. And you don't even know it. You don't even know it. You're wretched. You're naked. You, you're, you're dressed in fine this and that. But actually you're naked. You're in, you're in trouble. And you don't even know it. 
Ladies and gentlemen, the, the Dow Jones hit some record numbers in recent days. Isn't that interesting? Like after Brexit and all this, it was like way over 18,000 and something. It's, it's like, wow. I mean, I remind you that in 2008, for those of you that follow the market, we were down to 8,000. I think it dipped to 7,000 something. We're like people were losing their shirts. Today we are at 18,000 something. Well, I, don't know, I didn't check last weekend. I was praying. But it's just phenomenal that... It appears that we're doing so great up here, and yet we are in the worst shape you can ever imagine. We're a country torn by violence. We're torn by hatred. You've got, and, and don't blame the political parties again, because they don't even agree with themselves. You know why? Because this is not a political problem. This is a spiritual challenge. You get, you get that. You got that, right? No man can say, could solve this. God has to step in. And so, I just want to share a couple of personal examples about how, if you're, I'm, I'm trying to encourage you, and I'm not trying to encourage you to do something that I wouldn't do. You've got to acknowledge when you're in trouble. So let me give you a couple examples when I was in trouble. I was in financial trouble several years ago. I thought I'd step in and, you know, invest something and everybody was doing it. It seemed like a good idea at the time. So I went out and stepped out into, you know, I stepped out into rental property and I thought things were really good. And to tell you the truth, it felt pretty good at the time. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, you know, yeah, we got rental property now. Yep, that's us. Rental property, yes indeed. Real estate, real estate, that's it, man. Can't go wrong. Well, you know, God's really moving on up. Hallelujah. Thank you. Just a couple years later, I almost lost my shirt. Almost a million dollars in debt. God took me. I, I won't say God did this. I think the, the, the circumstances took me to the cleaners. I knew I was in trouble. <laughs> and I prayed. And he heard. And many of you know our, our testimony, how God did absolutely amazing things for us. That through the spirit of faith, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. And so the Lord, we, knew we were able to get rid of one property that was really causing us a lot of problems. And uh, he was able to negotiate some things for us. I mean, we, we despaired of whether our primary home was going to be lost. And God took care of us. He turned it around and he took... Uh, amazing. I, I don't, all I can say is amazing how he did that by the leading of the Spirit of God. And we got amazing, amazing things happened. He changed things. But I did something else. I felt the Lord say, you need to go to Financial Peace University. You can't be too proud to get help. So I said, I, I need to go to Financial Peace University. So I went to that. I mean, I heard about that all the time. Ingrid, all those year after year, Financial Peace University, Dave Ramsey, Financial Peace University, get out of debt, Financial Peace University. I says, I says, oh, that just, that sounds weird. It doesn't even have a good ring to it. Like, what is that? You know, like, what? But you know, the Lord quickened me. You need help. So what did I do? I w positioned myself in a place where I can get the help I needed. And back then it was 13 weeks. It's only nine weeks now. And God gave me the understanding on how to do things differently. And I'm happy to say that, boy, did he turn it around. He turned it around. Not, I'm not saying Dave Ramsey turned around. I'm saying God and his wisdom and wise counsel helped us to turn it around. 
where I was in the hole and I was about to lose my house, I'm now in a position that, thank God, is much better. Hallelujah. And I, you know, I wish the same fate was for all of my friends, but I don't know. I just did what I had to do. I was up at four in the morning. I was crying before God. I need help. We worked hard for this. I don't want to lose my home. Amen. There's another one. Uh, professional challenge. I was having, I was having trouble balancing my professional life. And I so appreciate my pastors. He, he kind of saw me stressing cause I've been here, you know, over 30 years and, and, and he said, I, I want to help you. And I said, I, I need to, I need, I need a reset here. I, I need, I mean, I love what I do and everything, but I'm, I'm, I, something's wrong in my soul. I'm burning out or something. I need some help. So he helped me. God helped me. And pastor helped me. He saw it. He was kind enough to me and to my wife to say, I, I want to help you. And he referred us to counseling. So, past, yes, Pastor Tom went to counseling. I also saw uh, Lauren, or Laren, Lauren, who's in heaven now. And Lauren helped me professionally on where to, how to set boundaries and when to say no and how not to get in the canoe with people. I see my friend back there, Pastor Nancy. You know... Because we're, we're all out for the kingdom of God. But you know, you can't give what you don't have. And if you, if you, people will just take and take and take and take and take. And then you could go dry and then all of a sudden you're bankrupt. But you have to know how much to give and how to give it. And when to give it. You can't always answer the phone. Because everybody has an emergency. And so... Thank God for the wisdom of God. My pastor saw that I was in trouble. I saw that I was in trouble. My wife saw that I was in trouble. My friends saw that I was in trouble. I finally saw it. (laughs) And I got some counseling. And, And then they helped me how to better manage my time, how to better manage my energies. Does this hitting home with anybody? Here's another one. I had a friend come up to me. What are you doing for your marriage? And I said, well, what do you mean, what am I doing for my marriage? You know, but I got to tell you something in in closing this. I want to say this. There is a place that you need to know when you are in trouble and you need to act when you're in trouble. Well, I mean, we're we're okay. We've been, I guess, back then we've been married. We're going to be 37 years. Hallelujah to God be the glory. But that was about 10 to 15 years ago, something like that, where a friend, my beloved friend, Paul Vernosi, he, he um, came up to me and he said, what are you doing for your marriage? And I said, what? What are you doing for your marriage? See, they have an anointing to, to put something into marriages. God, I don't know if I have time for this. Do you want to hear this? I'll, uh. And I said, well, yeah, sure. I'm, you know, I, I don't know. He goes, well, think about it. I'm, I'm praying for you or something. And, and I thought, like, why would he say that to me? I'm the pastor. How could you say that to me? <laughs> don't you see me and my wife every week and everything? Like, uh, I'm the pastor. But then I began to really listen to the counsel that came into my heart. And I started to realize, yeah, you've been married for whatever it was, 25 years, whatever it was back then. You've been married for 25 years. And, and you're not... Fighting, yeah, and that's okay. But you know, God doesn't put you together to just not fight. He wants you to enjoy life 
get to the place where you enjoy life and that where you can start having a chemistry that is like heaven on earth. And uh, how, how can I say this? How can I say this, Lord? It wasn't, it isn't, God doesn't just want you to, uh, to not be in conflict and just to work out conflicts, that's not the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal is for you to actually enjoy one another and have fun in the journey. And that takes W-O-R-K, work. And so I began to, I, I felt led. and I, I said to my wife, I said, okay, let's go. Let's go to, and she goes, what? We're too busy. Now there's a problem right there. I'm not saying that you have to go to every small group that happens at Heart of the Bay Christian Center. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is there are some groups and classes that happen here. They're not here by accident just to take up space. And I know you have a busy life. I had a busy life when Financial Peace University came up. I had to set something aside to be able to reach forward and and get myself out of debt. Well, the same thing happened with marriage. My wife says, oh, wow, like we need another thing. It's only, it's, it's only you know, this season, this, this period of time. And, and I'll just be honest with you. I asked my wife if I could say this. We'd be driving up to Paul and Dee Dee's, you know, with the rest of the couple together, folks. And she's, she, I could feel this. She's like rolling her eyes back. Oh, boy, a lot. This is going to help. There's so much other stuff I need to do. And, and here we are going up there. And we're like, okay. And the little dog bit us, you know, bit her and stuff like that. Oh my gosh, like, oh brother. So we're, we're driving back home, like a lot of good this thing, we're rolling our, but I'm praying and I'm in faith and I'm positioning myself because I'm saying, okay, I need help. I want help. I want to take my marriage to the next level. I want to save my life Go moving forward. And so I got to tell you this. Paul shared a story, it wasn't even on the videos or the series, but he said something. You know what? There was a group of college people that, that uh, they separated the guys from the girls. Says, "When do you know that you're ready to be married?" And then they asked they, they asked the gals this, and and the gals didn't. They had various answers in that, but then they said, "Okay, this is the answer to that question. When you're ready to drop what you're doing, whatever you're doing, drop it and just go tend to your." to your partner and do whatever they want when they ask the way they ask just drop everything and just do it like really mm. then they asked interesting they went to the guys and asked the same question when are you ready to be married and number of questions around, but they gave the same answer and it says you're ready to be married when you're ready to drop everything and now the crux of the story we've got to know that humility humility is your way to help we were working in our huge yard. These are the days before I knew how to just spray it. I'm Commando Tom out there with spray and kill all the weeds and everything. But back in the day, we used to do it the hard way, milkweed. Uh, and uh, Kimberly went, and I went out in the yard to work on the weeds and, and, and listen to this little story. I, I hope it blesses you. I hope you remember this. She was at the real far end because we have a large lot. Mulford Gardens are big. And uh, I'm over on this side, and the sun's coming up, and I'm getting ready to, to turn on the mower again for another, another stretch to mow that weeds. <laughs> and she's working on the milkweed with the little pig, and she called me. She said, uh, honey, can you come over here and, and help me with this one? This, this weed is really, really tough. And I said to her, um, well, 
Uh, you know what? I'll, uh, sure. Absolutely. Abs- I'm sure I'll help you. But I'll tell you what, uh, you know, the sun's coming up and I got to push this manual mower. And so let me get through a little more of this. And before the sun comes up anymore, because it'd be real hard otherwise to push this. So is that all right? She goes, yeah, yeah, that, that's okay. That's so I start, I start the mower and the spirit of God spoke up within me. You're going to miss it. I went, what? He says, I turned off the mower. I says, what do you mean I'm going to miss it? He says, you're going to miss it. And in Pastor Nancy's words, if you always do what you've always done, you're going to miss it. He goes, well, what? And I heard the Lord say to me, are you ready to be married? So I turned off the mower and I walked all the way to the back of the yard where she was kneeling there, digging at the roots of these, you know, milkweed's the devil, man. I don't know if that's a, I might as well call it a devil plant. And she's digging on this and this tiny little, little baby woman, little thing tool. And, and I go over there and I stand and, and I, I come to her and she kind of sees me standing there and she goes, well, what, what, what? I says, well, um, I said to her, hon, I think I'm ready to be married now. Something happened. She got up, looked into my eyes. I'm telling you, like, we both broke. We're both crying. And we're like, what happened? What, 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 what happened? What just happened? What's going on here? What just happened? What happened? A move of God happened. There was such an anointing. A sensitivity came over both of us. When I said, I'm ready to be married now. I'm ready to put you first. I'm ready to stop being proud and doing what I think. And I'm ready to yield to God. That all help came, friends, when we humbled ourselves. Hello? Started praying and seeking God. I need help. So today, if you need help, some of you don't even know you need help. Or you're kind of ignoring it. But if some close associate or friend of yours is saying you need help, friend, humility is your first step. The first step to help in your life, in your relationships, the first step to help in our nation, the first step to healing our communities is humble yourself before God. Is that all right this morning? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your spirit of healing that you're able to help. And like the psalmist that said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. We say as a church that our soul will make her boast in the Lord, not in ourselves. And we understand that the humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Thank you that you hear our prayer for one another. You hear our prayer for our families. Dear God, you hear our prayer for our kids and for our communities. In Jesus' name, I thank you for a healing power of God to move. And we say that we are a humble people and that you are exalting us in due time, to be a bright shining light among, in this generation among whom we shine as light, giving you all of the glory in Jesus' name.